We are in championship weekend, and we are in full form here at the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. If you didn't already, please join patreon.com slash Fantasy, where you'll be able to find all of our content, talk to us during the games, talk to us about the games, all of that, um, plus a ton of extras. Go check it out. And if you have not already, please download the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. It is everything you need to dominate fantasy football, not only during the year, but also in the off season where the most important information is shared. Uh, lots of content coming your way. Let's get this piece of content started. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. I got to say, I am so disappointed that last week we could not find a way to get on air as I bring in my co-host, the host with the most, Mike Petrop. What's good, brother? You're muted. Muted me. Oh, there you go. Sup. <laughs> Always one for the words, Michael. Um, but I got to tell you, like, the easiest bet in sports, gambling, the easiest bet, I feel like the easiest weekend to bet is the, what do you call it last week? The divisional round? The divisional yeah. round of the NFL playoffs after a few big upsets in the wild card round because it always happens every year that there's upsets in the wild card round and in the divisional round, the heavy favorites always win. Um, last week I would have advised you to bet the money line of the lions of the, um, Niners and of the Ravens. And you would have easily won those bets. I easily won that bet. Um, I also did another bet where I bet the overs on all the games and I just missed one. I just missed only I only missed the Lions by like three points, or I would have had a nice payday on the on the three money lines and three overs. Um, but that, in my opinion, the easiest betting week in sports, honestly, it's always it's so it's so predictable. Yeah, I mean, the Texans had a a first half that probably had their fans semi excited. It was ten up, outplayed. Um, and then the second half, the Ravens just absolutely destroyed them. I I think the Ravens had that game on lock. Even if yeah, it shouldn't have been ten up a half. But the only the only way the Houston scored was on a kick return, and that's the only way they had a chance to score. That Ravens defense is serious, and we'll be talking about that Ravens defense in a second. Um, so yeah, sorry for not coming to you last week. Uh, thank you for tuning in this week. This week we have. A nice show for you. We're going to be previewing the games. We're going to be talking about the head coaching vacancies. And we're going to be making three way too early predictions about next year each. So um, I don't know about you, Michael, but I went pretty I went pretty ham. I went like I went I got some hot takes. You always I feel like when we do episodes like this, I'll say something like this guy is going to do this. And then you show up with like this guy's going to cook pancakes on a Sunday morning and then waffles the next week. And he's only going to score on the pancake days. You always say some wild ass shit that makes no logical sense. Bro, why are you giving away my shit? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, they're a little bit more uh, calculated than pancakes, but 
Not what too about waffles in the morning. I'm making waffles. All right, Michael. Let's get into these coaching changes to start off because I think this is the most important spot. We're going to get into these new coaches. A bunch of coaches have been high have been hired since we last spoke. Um, me and Michael had a little uh, back and forth, and Jason had a little back and forth about one of these guys that probably will make its way to the microphone in just a second. But let's start. Let's start with the two open jobs. Um, the two open jobs that still remain are the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commanders. Now, it's interesting that those are the two that remain because Ben Johnson um, has been a very, very, very hot commodity. But the Seahawks, for what it's worth, are that's Dan Quinn's old stomping grounds. They've interviewed Dan Quinn. It looks like Dan Quinn is going to be the head coach there. So you got to think Dan Quinn, who right now is the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, by the way, you got to think Dan Quinn takes that job. So that leaves just the commanders. And me and Michael talked about this. That leaves all these these hot prospects that are currently still playing, um, particularly the hot prospect of Ben Johnson, um, with only really one choice. You either take the Washington job or you stay an offensive coordinator for one more year. Ben uh, Johnson so gonna... right now actually is like minus 1,000 to be the commander's next head coach. So. It makes sense. Is He's like the hottest commodity and it they're the only like, ones left. Yeah, it seems like one of those things where if the Lions lose this weekend, it'll be news on Monday. Yeah. Or if they make it to the Super Bowl, it'll be news the day after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but... Yeah, let's get into these head coaching jobs. Let's start with the with the most recent and go down from there. Uh, last time we talked, Jared Mayo was hired on January 12th, so we talked about that. Um, but there's been a bunch of hiring since then. Um, let's start with the Falcons. The Falcons uh, hire Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris had a, had a job previously. He was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, um, the defensive coordinator for the Rams uh, this year. Did an amazing job as a defensive coordinator as the Rams. Now, the Rams didn't have a great defense, but you got to remember, they had Aaron Donald and no one else. Uh, if you remember listening to this show in the offseason, we mentioned that the Rams had the most undrafted rookies free agent ever invited to training camp. And their defense read like that. Uh, what, the, what the Rams did this year it's going to go largely unnoticed because they didn't end up winning a playoff game and et cetera, et cetera. But him, Sean McVay, and I know this might sound blasphemous for uh, Jets fans, but Mike LaFleur, who's their offensive coordinator, did a fantastic job coaching that team this year. Um, they were in no chance, they, they were in no position to succeed, and they did succeed. So shout out to them. Shout out to Raheem Morris. He gets hired by the Falcons. I think this is as notable with who they hired as who they did not hire. Like uh, the Falcons, they have all these young pieces. Uh, their former coach who, you know, really wanted to stick with Desmond Ritter and probably the reason why he got fired was because he wanted they wanted to stick with De Desmond Ritter. Um, Taylor Heineke is obviously not the answer there. So they'll be looking for a quarterback. More on that later, uh, a little bit of a preview of my, of my hot takes. They'll be looking for a quarterback. Um, and Raheem Morris is a defensive guy. So it's going to be interesting to see who they hire as their offensive coordinator and who kind of runs that offense. But it's Raheem Morris. And I think as as notable as it is that Raheem Morris got hired, I think it's also notable that Bill Belichick did not get hired. Because Bill Belichick 
was interviewed twice by this team, has not interviewed with another team. Uh, I, like we said, it's just it's just Seattle and Washington, and I I doubt that Seattle's going to go from one seventy year old to another. Uh, Dan Quinn looks like he's going to get the job there. The commanders don't look like they're going to go from one 70 years old to another, which the disrespect for Eric Bieniemy continues. How this guy is not a head coach somewhere. He must be like the worst leader on the planet. Like he must talk at this kind of level. Um, even though like coaches that talk at this kind of level, like talk, yeah, I think like, is he going to stay with the, like if they hire Ben Johnson, who's clearly an offensive Guy, they're gonna have Johnson and be enemy, which is interesting. Maybe be enemy wants to go somewhere else or something. Yeah, maybe be enemy gets has to like quarterback coach again or something like that. Hey, man, that guy has no luck. I feel I feel sorry for him. He's one of the better offensive minds in the game as, as he's shown. But with that, with that being said, um, what do you make of this hire? What do you make of them not hiring Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick doesn't look like he's gonna be coaching this year, which uh, I didn't have in my bingo cards. Um, yeah. So, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, the reports were apparently that Bill Belichick wanted to bring over his crew, like the McDaniels, the Va- the Vrabels of the world. Um, and the Falcons didn't want to do all that when they didn't know how long Belichick would even keep coaching since he is like 70 years old, which I kind of get. I mean, if I had to choose between Raheem Morris or Bill Belichick, I'd probably choose Bill Belichick. But they're trying to go younger. Um change the change the franchise hopefully Raheem Morris could be a guy who stays there long term and changes the culture there and they actually start winning get over the Dan Quinn era um, I mean the Dan Quinn era Arthur Smith the, um, Arthur Smith era but Arthur, yeah. Arthur Smith's gonna go down in the Adam Gase Hall of Fame of yeah. guys who just stuck to their guns despite the fact that they were shooting water pistols yeah and then, I mean, Adam Gase it basically ended his career, his time with the Jets. I doubt Arthur Smith gets signed anywhere anytime soon with the way he performed. But, yeah, I mean, we'll guess, I guess we'll see how it goes. I'm just excited to see the Falcons and Drake London and company operate without Arthur Smith calling the shots. All right, Michael. So here's what we had a little uh, back and forth on. Yes. The Carolina Panthers hire Dave Canales as their new coach, which, by the way, handsome guy. I don't know if you've seen him. Very handsome. Shout out to Dave Canales for being handsome. Also young, under okay. 40. For me personally, it does not surprise me that the only guy the Panthers could get to to be hired by them is a first-year offensive coordinator who led a middle-of-the-pack offense. You know... He two years ago he wasn't even a coordinator. He was the quarterbacks coach for the Seattle Seahawks. Then he went to be the offensive coordinator for the Panthers, and now he's the head coach of the I mean uh, the um, the Buccaneers, and now he's the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. Um, I don't know if you know. I mean the head coach. I'm I'm fucking this up. Uh, head coach of the Panthers. I don't know if you knew this, Michael, but the Panthers also hired a new GM. Do you know who that is? I don't think so. Dan Morgan, the former linebacker. Do you remember Dan that's, Morgan? That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan Morgan, who was he was one the, of those classic play hard type of guys. Yeah, he was. He was nice. Dan Morgan was a beast. So Dan Morgan, the uh, the former linebacker of the Panthers, uh, a brand a brand new young GM, a brand new young head coach, and when you talk about their owner David Tepper, um, 
He was he's a guy who's known for weekly meetings with Frank Reich where he would yell at him, uh, throwing a drink at a fan, being an asshole in the business world, and also being a billionaire. For me personally, and this is where me and Michael differ, for me personally, I'm not surprised that Dave Canales is the only one that took this job because this is not a job I would take if I was a guy like Ben Johnson or if I was a guy like Raheem Morris I or Jim Harbaugh. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take this job. I wouldn't do it because, first of all, no first-round pick this year. Um, saddled with a quarterback who does not look like he has the stuff, especially after seeing C.J. Stroud and what he did. With a weak roster. And on top of that, an owner who has proven to be one of those owners who is very, very on your back, breathing down your neck. Um, and seems to be quite the asshole. So, like, for me... Dave Canales was the only one of the only guys who could take this job because he's a you get it he's a young guy he's ambitious and he got the job because of that reason. But for me, if I'm like I said, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, if I'm Raheem Morris, if I'm you know Brian Callahan, Antonio Pierce, these guys who ended up taking other jobs, I'm I wasn't even looking at the Panthers personally. So I hope Dave Canales works out. But if I had to put an over under on Dave Canales's uh, Panthers run, I'd probably put it at a year tops. You know, he signed a six year contract, right? That doesn't matter. This guy has fucking like $90 matter. billion. Dollars. Like, yo, David Tepper is what is like a billionaire. Like, this guy's not poor. You're talking about one, we don't know. You said he was the only one who took the job as if they just. We're throwing out offers, bro. They you know, interviewed twenty, like twenty people. Yeah, that doesn't mean they offered it to twenty people. Like, what are you talking about, right? No, now? they didn't. But interviews, as you know, as someone who's been on interviews, and and I've been on interviews, and, and interviews are are two sided. Yeah, yeah. So uh, who knows if these guys would even take the job if offered? Either way, it's one of thirty positions. Thirty-two. In- America, one of 32 positions in America, head coach of an NFL team with last year's number one overall pick on it. You got to go there. And even if you're four and 13 the next year or five and 12 the next year, if you that's an improvement off what they did this year, like this, the stakes are not really up there right now. They just needs to make the team a little bit better, make Bryce Young a little bit better. Or like you see what D'Amico Ryans just did with the Texans his first year as a coach with a rookie quarterback and they won a playoff game. Like why would Canales at 42 years old say no to his first ever head coaching position just because it's with the Panthers and they got a six year deal, which means they clearly like the guy. I mean, try to convince me that they're, they would have signed a one year deal so they could replace him next year when the team's better. And they, they're not in such a bad place. This we're talking about a head coaching football position, Tim. He wouldn't be the first guy to get a six year contract that got fired before the six years was up all right yeah sure but it's not you said oh he's gonna make it one year that's just just a silly thing to say all right fine maybe i'm being a little uh hyperbolic there but i just don't see like the panthers just a dysfunctional franchise ever since david tepper took over they they were supposed to build this new fancy facility it's half built and they just kind of left it there it's like taking up real estate in carolina somewhere they fired two coaches in a row 
including Frank Reich, who got fired on November 27th. What Frank Reich? I think that he signed a five-year contract, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look well, that up. Can you look but that there up? Was like a, there was like a known, you know, issue there, though. Yeah, but there wasn't an I- issue beforehand. Uh, one year, wh- one year into his four-year guaranteed contract between yeah. twenty and forty million dollars, he's owned. Th- Frank Reich is owned thirty owed thirty-six million dollars to twenty twenty-six. Yeah, All right, and I'm sure so it wasn't planned to make it less than one year. No, but it also probably wasn't planned for Frank Reich to run into a situation where his owner wants him to take the quarterback that he didn't want to take. He overrules him. The quarterback sucks. He yells at him every single week and then fires him on November 27th. The dude didn't even make it to December. November. That's ridiculous. Yeah, correct. That's ridiculous. I Either don't want to passing up on an NFL head coaching opportunity. Your first one ever is stupid. I mean, look, we'll see. We'll see. But for me personally, I don't think that this was a, a it's a mistake that the that the guy who took the job ended up being a mediocre. I don't want to say mediocre. Yeah, so, how do you know? A so far mediocre coordinator who was a quarterback's coach. Two years ago. I mean, he just put in work with Baker Mayfield. It Was it him that put in work with Baker Mayfield? Or was it, hey, Baker Mayfield actually had some time to develop in general? A fifth-year resurgence. We're not going to give the OC credit. I don't think it was a fifth-year resurgence. He 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 had a fantastic rookie year. But you thought Baker Mayfield was trash and buns and toast, did you not? I mean, I still think a he's, lot of people thought that. I still think he he's pretty trash and, and buns a, and toast, and had a tremendous season. I don't think I would not call his season tremendous by any stretch of the imagination. Like he had his his personal career highs in yards and um and touchdowns, sure. But this is a you know, this Remember, is I mean, a he threw four thousand yards, twenty touchdowns, and ten interceptions. Yeah, but he also season. had he also had terrible games. Like he didn't have he wasn't this consistent star. Like he had terrible games. Like there was games where the the Bucks scored eleven, nine, six, thirteen, thirteen. Like there's there's games where he didn't he finishes the QB one, one, two, three, four, five. Six seven times in eighteen weeks in terms of fantasy, and only as a top eight QB one time. So it's not like he's putting up these giant numbers. He had he had a couple. He had a few good games that padded his stats against weak defenses in a weak division. I'm not going too crazy about Baker Mayfield right now. Like he's some superstar. Like Dave Canales turned him into a superstar. Do, does he deserve some flowers for improving? Yes, but this I don't think it's crazy to think that this is the progression of a person who was the number one overall pick, and this is where he's at right now. I don't know if I give Dave Canales all the credit for that, especially because... So what about Bryce Young going into second year with Dave Canales now? He can't make Bryce Young better? We'll see. We'll see. I know that if he doesn't in very quickly, he's going to have an owner that thinks he's George Steinbrenner down his ass. I know that for sure. Um, all right, let's get into the second one because I feel the complete opposite about this third hire. 
Jim Harbaugh, the new coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. When you talk about a perfect match made in heaven, this is the perfect match made in heaven. If you're Jim Harbaugh, you get to go to a premier market with a premier quarterback and a decent roster with some young pieces, right? No one's saying that this is a fantastic roster. That's a Super Bowl roster right away, but you can work with this roster, particularly because one of the better quarterbacks in the league is in place. On the other hand, if you're the Chargers, you have you finally have an identity. Like the Chargers hardly have fans. They they every game sounds like a home uh, an away game. They just moved to LA. They're clearly the second fiddle in LA. This gives the Chargers some clout. This gives the Chargers some energy, and this gives the Chargers an identity. Jim Harbaugh has succeeded every single step of the way, no matter where he has been. Uh, he took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. He led Michigan to a national championship. Every single place that Jim Harbaugh has been, he has succeeded. There's no other way to put it. Um, he's an excellent coach. So I think that the Chargers win here. Jim Harbaugh wins here. This this division is stacked with Hall of Fame coaches. It's Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid. And then you got, of course, Antonio Pierce, who are who uh, we're going to talk about. Did we talk about him already? No, we, we, who we're going to talk about a little later. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great win, 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 win for everyone. Uh, the rumor has it that it's going to be, um, what's his name? Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator, who Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator for Jim Harbaugh uh, during his 49ers day. So interesting fit there. We'll see how Justin Herbert runs a Greg o Roman type offense. But with that being said, I think this is a great move. I think that this all but seals the fate of Austin Eckler in Los Angeles. I think he's gone. Um, but besides that, I think it's a win-win-win for everyone here. Yeah, it's a good good addition. And I think people are people are too reactionary all the time. I remember like Greg Roman was like the hot head coaching commodity the first year with Lamar Jackson, and then that offense started slacking a little bit, and people were like, Oh, Greg Roman stinks. Like people are too reactionary when it comes to these coaches. Um, so I'm not going to be upset if it's like Greg Roman or anything. I think they'll be fine with Justin Herbert. But yeah, I mean, if you're Jim Harbaugh, wanted to come back to the NFL, can't really ask for much better than Justin Herbert at quarterback. No, you can't. Um, here's a surprising one because this is a name we didn't really hear in the coaching cycle. Brian Callahan, the son, by the way, of Bill Callahan, the legendary offensive line coach one of the best offensive line coaches in the history of football um he was the Bengals offensive coordinator for the last five seasons he now moves up to head coach of the Tennessee Titans which the Titans mentioned when they fired Vrabel they wanted a new type of feeling in the building they wanted a new type of energy in the building and Brian Callahan definitely fits that another guy under 40 a guy who has run a very um a very modern offense uh, with the Bengals. He says he's excited to work with Will Levis. Let's see what the quarterback situation works out with there. Um, you know, he's worked with some pretty good quarterbacks. He's worked with Matthew Stafford. He's worked with Peyton Manning. He's worked with Derek Carr. He's worked with Joe Burrow. So he has a legacy with quarterbacks. He also has access to his father, Bill Callahan, who is literally the reason why offensive lines turn around. The Tennessee Titans have had the, one of the worst offensive lines in the year for three straight years, um, in, in the league, excuse me, for three straight years. So it'll be interesting to see if he brings his father, Bill, on, because if he does, that might be worth it just like that. But 
interesting hire here. Uh, Tennessee obviously looking to get offensive minded in a division that at this time last year seemed a lot more open for the taking. And now with the Texans and with the Jaguars, who the Jaguars I'll get to uh, a little bit later on. Uh, mm. But yeah, so I, what do you think about this one? I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. I think that, you know, He's a lifer. He's a football lifer. So he yeah. definitely knows the game. Uh, how, how do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, look, they obviously wanted a, um, they obviously wanted him because I don't think he was like a hot name among coaching candidates, right? It was kind of surprised that Tennessee went out and got Brian Callahan to be their head coach. He did have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and company. So the talent was there for him to succeed in Cincinnati. So, that's that's always a little bit questionable when you have all the dynamic talent, but you know, obviously the scheme and the game plan um, matters a lot as well. Uh, but yeah, with Tennessee, there it's basically a rebuild with Will Levis. We could probably expect Derrick Henry somewhere else next year too, I assume. But it's gonna it's gonna be a longer journey. Like I don't expect the Titans to be a playoff team next year, but I mean, he's getting his shot now to be a head coach. Let's see how it goes. And finally, the last one is Antonio Pierce. So Antonio Pierce obviously took over that job in the middle of Interim the year. Interim to full time. Yeah, and it's you know you like to see it because the players obviously liked him. Um, he obviously liked being there. He grew up in the area. He grew up a Raiders fan, so definitely like a good fit here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who they hire as their coordinator. Uh, I think Ken Dorsey interviewed. Uh, for their coordinator position, which is an interesting move here. Um, it's going to be. Yeah, is he like. Um, I Forget it. Go ahead. I was going to say, is he, I, is he leaving the Bills? Yeah, but like, yes, he left. Yeah, but I was like, wait, what am I saying? Yeah, the dude was fired. Like, <laughs> I will say this, man. Joe Brady got, again, dysfunctional organization in in. uh in Carolina, Joe Brady got the shit end of the stick after being one of the guys that was a hot head coaching candidate. He gets canned six weeks into the season because uh, what's his name? The Italian dude uh, from New York, the head coach for the Panthers. I forget his name now. What was his name? I see his face right in front of me. Italian dude from New York. Yeah, the guy who was the head coach before Reich. Spagnola. No, no, Spagnola. I'm yeah. thinking of Italian dudes. I don't know who the head coach was before Frank. Right, head Panthers. coach, Panthers. Come on, man. The former he he, you know this. Two thousand. I don't know. I'm blanking. Twenty. No, Dom. Why? Why? Matt Rule. Matt Damn, Rule. Matt Rule. Yeah. So Matt Rule didn't want to take. Oh, the, the Temple dude. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't want to take the. The blame, so he fires Joe Brady. It's good to see Joe Brady have a position where it looks like he's going to be back um, as the offensive coordinator for the Bills next season after they had a little bit of an offensive resurgence. So, um, but let's we're we're going off track here. Um, after so, this is the second time in recent memory that the Raiders have fired their coach in the middle of the season and then turned around and made the playoffs. Well, at this time they didn't make the playoffs, but. Had a playoff caliber team beating playoff caliber te- playoff caliber teams. Last time it was Rich Passaccia. Uh, this time Antonio Pierce. Speaking of Italians, um, but I, I think they got it right this time. I think Antonio Pierce is a great fit here, and I think that in a 
division where you're going against Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh now, and Andy Reid, it is like, all right, we're going to have to, you know, go for a little bit of a home run here. We're going to have to swing for the fences, and I think this is a good swing for the fences. Rip. Yeah, I mean, he had the entire team's backing, basically. Like, Devontae Adams said publicly that Antonio Pierce should be the head coach. Like, the team clearly liked him. They played a lot better after Max, they got rid Max of Crosby, Sorry. Max Crosby said that he would request a trade if they didn't hire him. Yeah, so they clearly like Antonio Pierce a lot, and they kind of backed the team into the, the ownership into a corner, and they had to hire him. But, I mean, he had a good interim run. Now he's going to have a whole offseason running the squad. Let's see how it goes. Um, Some coordinator openings. I think this one is a big one. Former defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, Vic Fangio, uh, surprisingly leaves. Um, he was fired. I mean, it. It think it was like a parting ways, like a mutual agreement. He immediately gets hired by Philadelphia. I was listening to Greg Rosenthal, and Greg Rosenthal, who's pretty plugged into these things, says that he just seems like this was a mutual agreement where he has family in Pennsylvania. He could be closer to his family in Pennsylvania. He didn't like it in Miami. He butted head with heads with some players. There's some players that didn't appreciate him, which, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, that Miami defense is full of overrated players. And Vic Fangio was the reason why they were so good this year. And they're not going to be as good next year. They're just not going to be. Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. The Eagles got themselves a stud. This is a huge loss for the Dolphins. I am ecstatic that this happened as a Jets fan. So I think it's it's big. I think it's big. I really do. Um, unless you have something to say, Michael, I'm going to keep running through these. No, here. Uh, Seattle Seahawks fired Shane Waldron, who was their offensive coordinator for three years. He gets hired as the Bears offensive coordinator. So interesting because they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, who was the quarterback's coach for um, Caleb Williams, who is the number one overall draft pick projected. So that kind of would have cemented that. But, you know, not as cemented here. Uh the Cleveland Browns got rid of their offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt. The Saints got rid of their offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael Jr., which Pete Carmichael was the Saints offensive coordinator or at least a offensive something um, since 2006 and then went to the Chargers last year, was the offensive coordinator there, got fired last year, went back to the Saints. And now got fired again. Wink Martindale, we, we talked about him last time. Jack Del Rio got fired. Matt Canada got fired. Ken Dorsey and Mick Lombardi were fired in the middle of the season. Uh, some new head coaching hires we mentioned. I mean, coordinator hires, we mentioned that Shane Waldron is now the new offensive coordinator for the Bears after they fired Lou Getze. And Ryan Nielsen um, is the new defensive coordinator after spending six seasons as the Falcons defensive coordinator um, after they fired Mike Caldwell. So that those are the coaching. That's the coaching roundup. I think that even though we don't know yet, I think you could basically kind of pencil in Ben Johnson, head coach of the Washington Commanders, and Dan Quinn, head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. I think that it would be I would be shocked if it wasn't that. That's personally. how it's that's how it's leaning right now. So yeah. All right, Mike. So let's get into the actual games. Um, let's get into the first game here. The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens. The spread is Baltimore minus three and a half. They're at home, so 
basically a pick them. Uh, they have a minus 205 money line, and the over-under is a relatively low 44.5, considering the two teams that are playing here. For me personally, this is the tougher of the two games. I don't know. I don't know. Both of these games are tough. Tim, the way uh, it, go ahead. Sorry, not to cut you off, but it's just like this game particularly. Does anyone really expect the Ravens to beat the Chiefs? Like, Are you, are you kidding? Like, I get the hype and everything, but just looking at the Chiefs the last six years of Patrick Mahomes, like, I think everyone kind of expects the Chiefs to win. I 100% expect the Chiefs to win. I don't necessarily expect the Chiefs to win. It's the Ravens who haven't really been able to win in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson, who, yeah, they won last week, but it was a very ugly first half against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, who have absolutely turned up in the playoffs per usual because that's what he does. The defense is the best it's ever been. Like, I think that I like I'm all aboard the Chiefs train. Really? Uh, For me, I lean Ravens and I'll tell you why. See, that's because you're you're kind of (laughs) dumb. Look, the Ravens just match up very well with this Chiefs team. I think that when you look at the Chiefs strengths, right? Their tight end is obviously the strength. The strength of the Ravens is their is their um their linebackers. They're insanely fast linebackers. So I think that there's a chance that Travis Kelsey stays in check here. They have a tremendous secondary. That tremendous secondary should be able to do work against Rashi Rice and company. And they have a great front seven, which I think the biggest thing that's making me lean towards the Ravens is Joe Tooney, um, who is the left tackle, is out. For this game, yeah. officially declared out. So I think the Ravens are going to cause some havoc. I don't have, I don't have faith that Isaiah Pacheco is going to be able to run in this Ravens offense. Now, in terms of vibes, I don't really think that's going to matter. Yeah, in terms of vibes, you have on the one hand a, a Kansas City Chiefs team that is like the new age Patriots, where even when they don't have the quote unquote talent that they used to have, they could still find a way to win games. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know, man, there's something about this Ravens team. This Ravens team has really run over people this year and run over very yeah, good true. teams. And th- like every time the Ravens have been tested this year, they have passed that test with flying colors. Like that includes this year when they played the 49ers and they destroyed the 49ers on December on Christmas. 33 to 19 at the at the Niners, right? So they destroyed the Niners. Um, they destroyed the Chargers, which you know, whatever. Um, they destroyed the Seahawks, they destroyed the Lions. Who else are we looking at here? They they beat the Rams, they destroyed the absolute destruction of the of the Dolphins. They destroyed the Texans last week. Like there's like a team the, that has destroyed teams. Destroyed. But the way they the, the games they have lost, they've just kind of been out physicaled by the opposing defense. And like the Chiefs defense is legit, man. Chris Jones, Legarius Sneed. Like, you saw Legarius Sneed just throw Terry Kill to the ground in that Miami game. Terry Kill even like quote tweeted it like he sent me to he sent me on vacation or some shit. Yeah. Cancun. Which was which was hilarious, but like it's a very physical defense. It's uh, speaks back Steve Spagnola, right? He's a defensive coordinator who I yep. shout out earlier. Like it's a yeah. 
very strong defense, very physical defense. I just I don't think they're going to have an easy time moving the do- ball downfield at all. Uh, Mark Andrews is supposed to return, which is, of course, a nice boost for them. But he hasn't played in months at this point. So, I don't know, man. I just I prefer to lean on Patrick Mahomes, who's done it repeatedly for years. I don't blame you. I think that if there's any year that they are that they are vulnerable, it's this year. I will also say this: like defenses have been beatable this year. We've seen like these these great defenses kind of just kind of like lose it in the playoffs. Talking about the the Browns as one of the uh, technically the number one defense in the league, uh, they got crushed in the playoffs and. Um, there's a there's a few other great defenses, like very good defenses that got crushed in the playoffs. I just think that I just don't think that the Chiefs have the firepower this year to keep up with the Ravens. And I just don't think that this is the same Lamar Jackson. Like in the past, Lamar Jackson has been shy. He's been like, I have to prove myself. And I he's playing comfortable this year. He's playing with renewed vigor. He's about to win the MVP in a couple weeks. And he gave the halftime speech last week that resulted in 24 unanswered points. He has Zay Flowers um, and so OBJ and Mark Andrews is coming back, which is a big, big, big boon. The one thing that I'm scared about for the Ravens is that they have the juju. They don't have the juju surrounding them, you know, but they don't have any big injuries. They're going into this pretty healthy. And they they just seem like a new bunch. I think if this is the year for me that the Ravens finally overtake the Chiefs. This is the first time the Ravens are going to play a home playoff game in over 10 years. So this is not this is something that's new for the Ravens. They usually have to go on the road um, when they are playing in these playoff games. And I think that makes a difference too. that Baltimore crowd is a good one. For me, I like the Ravens here. If I was betting, I would stick with the money line because I don't know if I like them at three and a half point favorites. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that the Ravens are going to take care of business here. I think it's going to be a close game, but I just don't see a world where the Chiefs can muster what they need to muster against this Ravens defense, especially with Joe Tooney out, especially them getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I know that I can't. You can never count out Patrick Mahomes the same way you can never count out Tom Brady, but I just think that this is the Ravens' year, man. I think the Ravens go move forward. We shall see, brother. I'm on the Chiefs' side. All right, let's get to the second game. This one's uh, talk. This one's a very vibey game too. Yeah, Detroit Lions, who, by the way, seven and a half point underdogs over under fifty one and a half points. The money line, San Francisco minus three ninety. So Vegas. Truly disrespectful in the San Francisco 49ers. I might throw a bet on the Lions. Plus 310 on a money line is what? Yeah, for a conference championship game. Yeah, right? That's uh that's, that's for a that's, team that was what the three seed, the Lions? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not like they're a six or seven seed. And it's not like they're not talented. Uh talent yeah. across the board for them. The one thing that makes me nervous about the 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 I mean, let's let's talk about this this game before I get into the what makes me nervous because this is a vibes game too because we have two very similar situations where the Ravens are kind of that team that has blown it over the past few years and the Chiefs the team that kind of has overcome on the other side the Niners are the team that has blown it over the past three 
a couple of years. They have a rookie. That, well, I don't want to say rookie, but first year, full year starter at quarterback who, you know, ended up playing well eventually last week, but for the most part, did not play well against a team who's on a hot streak. They believe in themselves. They go for it on fourth down. They are overconfident. They play like it. Um, they have a they have guys who are not afraid. They believe that they belong there. They have a head coach that believes that they belong there, and they got nothing to lose. And a team that plays like the Detroit Lions, when you got nothing to lose, that's when they're at their most dangerous. So I think that all the pressure in this game is on the Niners. And as much as I love Kyle Shanahan, and for those of you who have been fans of mine for years, I've mentioned that I thought Kyle Shanahan was going to build a dynasty with the 49ers the year he got the year he got hired because if anyone can make Matt Ryan into an MVP, then they must be the greatest defensive mind of all time, offensive mind. But uh, the San Francisco 49ers also, and Kyle Shanahan also have kind of a DNA starting with the 28 to three game uh, in the Super Bowl. (laughs) And then the Niners kind of blowing it every single year when they've been in good position. I mean, they, 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 they have that DNA a little bit last week against the Packers. Even. Yeah, and they had to sweat it out against the Packers, who are an upstart team as well, and they were playing with some swag. And it Honestly, there was, there was three drives at the end of the game where the Packers could have put them away. And, you know, it was Jordan Love's inexperience, I think, that really made it a very it bad fourth so. quarter. Right. So, you know, can you say San Francisco is here luckily, in a sense? I think you can. Um, it's for me, man. Like, I want to pick the Lions. I do. I'm like, I'll be rooting hard for the Lions in this game. This game starts at 6 30 uh, on Sunday, so it's the primetime game. Uh, we'll probably be at a bar for our friend John's birthday watching this game. Um, but the Niners, the Lions. I want the the Lions to win, but in terms of X's and O's, there's one thing that really scares me. The Lions' starting guard is going to be out in this game. Their starting t- uh, center, Frank Ragnow, one of the better best in the game, he's got ankle injury, thigh injury, shoulder injury. And you're talking about a San Francisco 49er team that's getting Eric Armstead back and has J- Javon Hargrave in the middle of the defense. And that is where they get their pressure, up the middle. So the fact that Detroit is weak up the middle right now in their offensive line, going against the San Francisco defense that that's their strength. And Jared Goff being a guy who excels when he has time but folds under pressure, that's what really scares me about this Detroit Lions team. He's better at home as well, though this is a – I mean, it's San Francisco, so the weather's not going to be terrible. And he's a Cali kid. It's not as if he's, like, uh, you know, in, in some foreign land. It's not like he's playing in Oregon. But I don't know why I said Oregon. There's no, there's no team in Oregon. Um, but yeah, I think that vibes wise, I think the lions have an advantage, but obviously player wise, the Niners have an advantage. How do you feel about this, Mike? I mean, the lions seem like the team of destiny, right? If you like, look at it that way, if you're spiritual about it, they, they've kind of won these last two games where it was close calls. Um, they didn't make all the plays. They gave up some bad plays, but they ended up pulling it out anyways. And now they get the 49ers, who they had a bye. They struggled last week against the 49ers, uh, excuse me, against the Packers. They were 0-31 in the Shanahan era when trailing going into the fourth. They're now 1-31, so they 
they finally did that. That's no longer there, a thing. And there's the vibes kind of thing that I've been saying, right? This yeah. is not a team that's made for this kind of pressure cooker. Yeah, I mean, but Debo Samuel is apparently looking like he's going to play, which is a big boon. If like if he were to be out, like it was a, uh, they were it was their offense looked a lot worse without Debo Samuel against the Packers. Obviously, that's how it goes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the 49ers are going to win. I hope the Lions win because it's yeah. just a great story. I mean, I like the Niners. Don't get yeah. me wrong. And it's not like the Niners have been winning Super Bowls. They also, they're like, kind of like the Bills. They just keep getting there and losing. And that's what I think that's what, like, the juju must change. Like, one of these teams are going to defeat a curse. Like, the Lions curse is a lot longer. The Lions have never been in a Super Bowl in the history of their entire franchise. Yeah. Um, and the Niners, their curse is more can't finish type of curse. If you had to pick, Michael, who are you picking? I mean, if I had to pick, it'd be the 49ers. I think I'll, I think I think I'm going to bet the Lions uh, plus seven and a half. I think it'll be a close game, man. I think that this game is going to come down to a couple of fourth downs. I think that there's going to be a couple of fourth downs where the Lions are going to go for it. And the Niners are going to have to stick. They are going to have to stick a fork in them because like they the Niners cannot let vibes take over this game. Because as soon as the Lions convert a, a big fourth down, that's when you're going to see the momentum of this game kind of shift. And when you see the momentum of this game shift, I think then the Lions are playing with house money and now the Lions are in the driver's seat. I think as long as the Niners take a lead, hold a lead, and make two, three plays that are the, the big plays, I think the Niners have the advantage. But I think it's going to come down to a couple of fourth down plays. I really do. It's going to come down to Dan Campbell with the giant nutsack that he has. And is it's going to be up to Steve Wilkes, their defensive coordinator, and Kyle Shanahan to stand them up and not let them take that momentum charging and that you know it's funny like for those of you listening and like we're breaking down actual wins and losses we never really do that on this show it's it's just so different because we're not we're not really talking about numbers and this matchup and that matchup and that matchup because at this point the teams are so evenly matched and the teams are so it's good the best, the best man yeah man so i think there's another thing that i want to point out is that the lions defensive line has been playing fantastic they've been one of the best run defenses in the league and Christian McCaffrey last year, last week, he made some big plays because he's Christian McCaffrey, but he had a hard time getting to the line of scrimmage. His yards before contact were abysmal last year, last week. He had to make all the plays himself. Now, can he make all the plays himself again? I think so, but I think it's also this San Francisco 49ers offensive line is already banged up. Uh, I mean, already bad. Um, so I, I just think that I think the, the keys of this game are going to lie in those couple plays and whether the lions and Aiden Hutchinson and those boys up front can put a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy. Cause if they can put a lot of pressure on Brock, Brock Purdy and hold Christian McCaffrey to like only two touchdowns, <laughs> I think that there is a chance that the lions come through and actually play in the Super Bowl, And I think that would be really cool. 
That would be very cool. Michael, uh, are you buying the NFL conspiracy of the NFL puts the colors of the teams that are no. going to? No, because the NFL isn't rigged. People have so much time on their hands that they believe the stupidest shit. There's grown men, I grown know. men out there like saying this stuff. Grown men. Why risk your billions of dollar business because of a a single over under on Christian McCaffrey rushing yards in week 12? All these fucking conspiracy theorists. You know the NFL is right. Christian McCaffrey gets hurt with 45 rushing yards when his line is 52. Okay. Like, God, you're stupid. Jeez Louise. <laughs> you know what's funny too, man? Everyone says the same thing. Look at the last three Super Bowls. All right? They put the colors there, and they match. All yeah, right? How many colors are there? And not only that, what about all the Super Bowls before the last three? Yeah. Do those not right? count? They just, they just started. Like, you know what's a good idea? Let's see if they catch this. Colors oh, in the Look, logo. it's happened in the last three Super Bowls. All right. What about the fourth one? What about the fifth one? Silly. Silly, Silly. people. Just insane. Tim, your favorite uh, basketball player, Luka Doncic, just dropped 73 points. Wow. Nice. I mean, I'm not against Luka Doncic. I just... I just need to see him doing it in the, in the playoffs. I think he's like a, J, a James Harden right now, where... He's very crafty, and he can score the basketball. Congratulations. Can he do it in the playoffs where defenses tighten up and double teams come quicker and only the best players play on the court all the time and the teams are better and they can figure you out? Like, so far, he hasn't been able to do that. So I just need to see him do it in the playoffs before I can crown him. By the way, I watched that Knicks game last night. Knicks are balling, bro. Knicks, Knicks are contenders. Balling, OG, the OG Knicks. With I got OG Anunoby. I, I gotta tell you, man. I I underrated this guy. This guy is long as hell. Yeah. The passing lanes are just not safe when he's around. He just he he's like Kyle Hamilton at safety. He just like stands there and uses his height to pick shit off and take it to the hole. And he's a phenomenal corner free throw three point shooter. Like phenomenal. He's like he's shooter. Tom Thibodeau's like dream player he's probably yeah. so happy to have him now and the knicks need if the knicks get one bench piece bro they just need a like score a, they need a score they need a score off the bench i they wanted the knicks to get terry rogier but mm. they need that guy from uh from atlanta what's his name the guard dejounte murray yes dejounte murray yeah. dejounte murray would be the mwah, chef's kiss for this team yeah it would be how is atlanta not murray. better with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and uh the this the power forward that they just Capella? signed a couple years ago, not Capella. Hmm. Um John Oh wait, John Collins? John Collins, yeah. He's not on that team anymore. Oh, who's no, nah, I'm not really big He's on the jazz either. or something. But oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, John Collins I'm not John Collins. Is it John Collins? He used to be on the Hawks. Either way, he 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 murdered us in the playoffs last year. Or two years ago, John Collins. John Collins. Yeah, yeah, he murdered us in the playoffs. I thought it was like I was like, wow, this Hawks team is gonna grow, and they're just always the Hawks. They're just yeah, the Hawks. Exactly. They're so Hawksy about it. Being in Atlanta, yeah, fan, Knicks. Yeah. Did the, did the Braves win the Super, the the World Series? When? Last year. Like the year that just ended. No, it was the Rangers. The, no, the, the Braves Eagles won. Right. Yeah, the Braves. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, being an Atlanta fan is just like mediocre, just, but the Braves won the championship. Fucking Braves. All right. Um, 
All right, that's it for our preview. So now we're going to get into the fun stuff. Me and Michael have three way too early hot take, hot, hot, hot take predictions for you. Michael, I'm going to let you start this off because I'm about to get getting hot, hot, hot. Yo, Dennis, by the way, Dennis, my son, two and a half years old, uh, loves that song. And he just breaks into, he just breaks into, I'm hot, he's hot, you're hot, she's hot. Just randomly throughout the day it's hilarious anyway uh it's a real petropolis that one yeah 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 um michael what's your prediction all right here we go my first prediction mr Themios. i thought i had it open one sec here we go tajai spears ends up being a bust wherever he gets drafted is my first bold prediction because it is what's the date bro january 28th january 26th and already it's the ty j spears show for next year everyone really? can't wait to draft ty j spears yeah if you're on fantasy twitter people have him ranked as like a top 15 dynasty running back now because people are expecting Derek Henry to leave when this is a guy who is a small stature change of pace style back for the most part you'd be asking him to change like you'd be asking him to fit a different mold to be a three down back on that team. So I think it's going to be a situation where everyone's drafting Tajay Spears, expecting some stud Alvin Kamara type guy. And then the Titans go ahead and sign like Craig Reynolds or some shit. And then Craig Reynolds gets first down looks and goal line looks. And Tajay Spears ends up just being a uh, Naheem Hines rather than a uh, Alvin Kamara. 5'10", 200 pounds, small guy. Less than 200 pounds, but that's what he's listed as. Anywho, yeah. So, my first prediction is that Tajay Spears, um, I'm probably as of now on January 28th, seven months before the eight months before the start of the season, I wouldn't be drafting much of Tajay Spears. Let's see how that goes in June, July, and August and September. But yeah, that's my first bold prediction. Tajay Spears ends up being a bust in 2024. Any hope that Brian Callahan brings the the receiving prowess that he granted Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard before that, um, Samaje P. Ryan. Like, yeah, I'm sure that's that's the thing with Spears. He's going to catch passes, but is he going to get early down work enough? Is he going to get red zone work enough to be an actual like game changing type running back for fantasy purposes? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, Michael, I went way hotter than that. Was, I have a running back. Not going to be. You know. All right, guys. You ready? <laughs> Justin Fields. Here we go. Is going MVP to be or some stupid shit. I'll fight you if you say MVP. The quarterback one in fantasy next year. The quarterback number one overall. And he is going to do this on the Atlanta Falcons. And he's going to do it. Because Eric Bieniemy is going to be the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons and bring Justin Fields to the promised land, running a fantastic offense where him and Bijan Robinson are running RPOs the way that they should have been running them this year with Desmond Ritter. He's going to involve his tight end. You see how much better uh, Justin Fields is when he's targeting. Uh, his tight end, the tight end in, in Chicago, whose name? Cole Komet. Cole Komet. Yes. When he's targeting Cole Komet, he's phenomenal. He has Kyle Pitts to throw to. He has 
Drake London on the outside. He has the perfect setup to be the best version of himself. And on top of that, Raheem Morris is a good coach. He's going to coach them way better than Arthur Smith is going to. He's in a weak division. I don't know if you knew this, but a lot of changes coming for the Saints. The Saints have the worst salary cap situation in the league. Michael, guess how many millions they are over the cap? Have you seen this? I think it's like over 40 million or something, right? 80 million dollars over Despicable. the cap. 80 million. So a lot of change coming there. A lot of change coming for the Buccaneers who it's not out of the question that the Buccaneers might just jump ship and and reboot um after this season. And you got the Panthers who I already went over is the worst franchise in football right now. So you have a wide open division. You have a guy who's going to find a new home in Atlanta. The He's going to be embraced in that city the same way that Michael Vick was embraced in that city. A running quarterback with a strong arm. He's going to have the weapons around him. He's going to have the offensive line to succeed. He's going to have a defense that's not great, but pretty good. I think that not only does he become a a good player, but I also think he has like a Jalen Hurts-ish type season where he could bring Atlanta to some glory. And I think that he is going to fit perfectly there. I think that he's going to sign there. Eric Bieniemy is going to draw up the perfect offense for him because that is what Eric Bieniemy does. And Justin Fields on the Falcons will be the QB1 overall in 2024. Boom shakalaka. I can see it with the rushing prowess. I mean, of course, that also means Justin Fields plays better, which I mean, maybe, he, had a very maybe good he can with Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and company. He had a very good second half of the year. Very good second better. half. He was year. definitely better. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna also mention this. I talked to Matt today. Um Matt, of course, you know the fantasy encyclopedia, the rookie whisperer. Um, he never gets rookies wrong um, outside the quarterback position, um, which, you know, you can't blame him because everyone gets that. Everyone has trouble there. Running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, this guy has nailed, nailed since nailed he's been part of And he says this is the worst running back class that he has ever scouted. So... Just to, I just wanted to put that out there. I don't know what it has to do with anything now. I think it's because I'm thinking about Bijan Robinson. Um, but just know that for next year, usually you have a few running backs that are rookies that take like the mantle of a top pick. It's unlikely that a rookie is going to be doing that this year. There you have it. Which is interesting because there are teams that need running backs, and there's going to be guys like Derrick Henry and maybe Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler on the on the uh, Saquon Barkley are going to be free agents. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on with them. Another bold take, running backs, at least two running backs signed big contracts in the offseason this year. Anyway, go ahead. All right, I'm going to save my juiciest um, for last because I also have a quarterback one. So I'm going to go with that one. And as Jalen Hurts ends outside the top five quarterbacks. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think the... uh, the Eagles got embarrassed the entire second half of the year. I don't think there's any other way to put it. To be 11-1 and one and then to start getting dominated by teams like the Cardinals and the Giants, to get embarrassed in the playoffs by the Buccaneers, that team is trending downward, and I'm not sure an offseason 
is going to fix that. And Jalen Hurts, yes, he was a very good fantasy quarterback this year, but just he averaged just 7.2 yards per attempt, 3,800 passing yards. Like he didn't even eclipse 4,000 passing yards, even though that was a career high, a career high 15 interceptions. Passer rating dropped 12 points from 2022. And the reason why he was so good in fantasy is because he scored 15 rushing touchdowns. He's a quarterback, scored 15 rushing touchdowns. Yes, it's three years in a row with double-digit rushing touchdowns, but at some point, that's going to have to decline a little bit. And um, we saw him dealing with injuries the entire second half of the year. Maybe the Eagles decide they're going to be a little bit more cautious with him this year, especially, excuse me, next year, especially closer to the goal line. Um, And who knows, maybe the tush push ends up getting banned or something like that too. But I don't want to have to bank on a quarterback rushing in a touchdown every game. Like with Josh Allen, if he doesn't rush in a touchdown, you know he's a shot to throw for 400 yards. You know he has a shot to throw for three touchdowns. You don't get that with Jalen Hurts. You need the rushing. um, His rushing yardage total was lower than 2021 and 2022 as well. It was just really the rushing touchdowns. And next year, I think it's going to be a – not as kind. He's still going to be a very good fantasy quarterback because that's who he is. But I mean, outside I of the top six would be a bad draft. Pick. I don't think. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's going to. I'll say that too. Like, I don't think he's going to live up to ADP as like a top. He's probably going to go first, second, or third off the board in every draft. Hundred percent. He's he's not falling past the fourth round at most. Yeah, it's probably going to be probably be him or Josh Allen again, same as last year. Interesting, Mike. Interesting. Um, I had my juiciest first, so these ones are not going to be as hot. Actually, the last one's pretty hot, but this one's a little just standard. Um, but before I get into that, I will say this. Jalen Hurts has A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, uh, DeAndre Swift. He was hurt this season. Let's not forget he hurt himself. I don't think we've seen the best of Jalen Hurts as a passing quarterback. So I think that while his his running ability might diminish next year, I think that he does have the overall outcome ability or, you know, maybe possibility to be a much better passer next year. So that's why I'm going to push back on that a little bit. But I, I agree, though. I don't think he's going to be worth ADP. All right. A Can little bit. Your second one. All right. Second one, Michael. Rashi Rice. Rashi. Finishes as a top six wide receiver in 2024. So, now, here is why I'm going to say he finishes as a top six wide receiver. Because, number one, there are rumors floating around that Travis Kelsey is going to retire after this season. He's going to retire with his brother, Jason Kelsey, and they are going to. If they win the Super Bowl, I'd say that's even likelier. Well, either way, there are rumors. He's definitely slowed down this year. Um, Maybe he wants to take advantage of the multimedia opportunities that he's currently having right now with his hit podcast and the fact that he um, is dating Taylor Swift. So there's that. But on top of that. Rashi Rice has already emerged and has a great rapport with Patrick Mahomes. Since week 12, which is the first time Rashi Rice played two-thirds of the snaps or more 
all season outside of one week in week nine. Um, so only besides that week in week nine where he played 68% of the snaps, two-thirds of the snaps or more, up to 92% of the snaps eventually. In the last one, two, three, four, five, six weeks of the season, he finished as wide receiver 14 or better in five out of six weeks in the season. That includes a wide receiver three finish and a wide receiver seven finish. In these games, he saw 10 targets, nine targets, 10 targets, nine targets, 12 targets, six targets. And in those six targets, he turned that into 127 receiving yards. Rashi Rice is building rapport with Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are not known to spend money on wide receivers. So could they get a wide receiver in the draft? Right now, there's seven wide receivers projected to go in the first round of the draft. And I will say this, Matt, while he was telling me that there are no good running back prospects in this draft, he also informed us that this is probably the best wide receiver draft he's ever scouted. And that is including the draft. Marvin just- Harrison Jr., baby. Yeah, and this is this is the he just scouted the Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, and and company draft. You know, like wide receivers have been strong, and he says it's the best one he's ever scouted. <clears throat> so, is there a possibility that they trade up for or in the late uh, few rounds they get a rookie? Yes, but even if they do get a rookie. This is a guy who's been building rapport with Patrick Mahomes. He's shown that he has all the skills necessary to be the guy uh, in Kansas City, especially when Travis Kelsey was struggling. And when you have, when you are attached to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, I love you. Especially if that means that Travis Kelsey is no more. I think that Rashi Rice is going to step up in a big way and be a top six Wide receiver in 2024. Market. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really like it, but that's okay. That's why they're bold predictions. Why don't you like it? Tell me why. Just because it's. I, I I like Rashi Rice, but I do think it was a bit fluky this year in terms of no real talent around him besides Travis Kelsey and the targets he was getting close to the line of scrimmage and such. I'd like to see him get the ball downfield a little bit more, but obviously he could take a step up in year two, but like since Tyreek Hill, there really hasn't been a wide receiver like that for Patrick Mahomes to be a weekly high end wide receiver one. Yeah. So yet. So I mean, if Rice does it, that'd be awesome, but I don't know if I'm buying it today, January 26th. It's interesting too, to note that this was a team that used to, really rotate their wide receivers. And then Kadarius, Tony, and Sky Moore got hurt, and their offense got better. Rashi Rice got better. I think they learned from that. Uh, I saw a very funny tweet on Twitter this this uh, today under the, the report of the injuries. They're like, Kadarius, Tony, questionable. And someone wrote on the bottom, uh, Kadarius, yeah, Kadarius, Tony playing would be devastating for the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, interesting to see there. So I think Rashi Rice has a big game in this one as well against a uh, Alliance secondary that's not their strong suit. All right, Michael. Last. The Ravens? Ravens. What did I say? Lions. Oh, against the Ravens, which I take that back. Do have a strong suit in their secondary. I still think Rashi Stupid Rice idiot. gets a bunch of looks because I think they're going to just really zone in on 
Travis Kelsey and it's either going to be Roquan Smith guarding him or Patrick Queen guarding him or Kyle Hamilton guarding him. Either way, those are good coverage linebackers. Um, but anyway, and, and safeties. So anyway, Michael. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton is great. Who you All got, right. mate? My final bold prediction, Tim. The touchdown leader for the New York Jets in 2024, T. Higgins. Oh, okay. I like it. Spicy. Yeah. The Jets signed T. Higgins, get that second wide receiver across from uh from Garrett Wilson, and T. Higgins becomes the new Jordy Nelson for Aaron Rodgers. Just a big target, catch downfield balls, catch red zone targets, and just be a force in the red zone in general. I think he's gonna out reception Garrett Wilson. No, no out touchdown. Out touchdown Garrett Wilson. Like Garrett Wilson could go at 90, 1407. I think if but Aaron Rodgers plays a whole year, there's no way Garrett Wilson catches less than 100 balls. Uh, yeah, he could 100, 1,408, and then uh, like and it. then you got T. Higgins <laughs> going like 65, uh, 1050, and 14. I like it. I like I like it, Michael. Did you did you see Sauce Gardner uh, tweeted? Uh, they like I actually saw that like an hour ago. I was like, oh, look at that. That would be dope. Yeah. So they asked. They like a random NFL page, or maybe it was the NFL itself. Said, "Who was the, um, who's like a sleeper candidate that no one's really talking about signing?" And Sauce Gardner said, "T. Higgins," and he said another wide receiver for the Jets. Yeah, uh, can't remember who else. Yeah, I don't remember who else either. But, but they mentioned T. Higgins. Yeah. So interesting, interesting, interesting. Let's see who's on the Jets radar. The Jets have only like six million dollars in cap, so. They're going to have to play with the salary cap a little bit. Uh, maybe tell Alan Lazard to hit the skids. Um, but, yeah. You, do you think that a, like a Devontae Adams reunion with Aaron Rodgers is still in the mix? Yeah, maybe. But, like, he, like Devontae Adams is trying to get Antonio Pierce back. So it's not like he's actively looking like he's trying to leave. Yeah. And the Jets would have to trade for him, which is different. Like, T. Higgins is hitting free agency. He could get franchise tag. Probably will. But, yeah. We'll see. Those franchise tags, man, really uh they really mess up the whole let's let's talk about free agents and shit like that. It's such a odd like, oh, I'm about to hit free agency, and then teams like, hey, hey, no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, they get handsomely rewarded. Yeah. I will say a, that they, a one year deal in like your fifth year or fourth year, depending on the draft round or whatever, is probably not ideal for players. I mean, completely guaranteed. Nice like plus. you're you're making the guaranteed average salary of the top five players at the position. Pretty good. It's a pretty good payday. Yeah. As Kirk long as you Cousins, stay healthy and get paid after. Kirk Cousins bought a lot of sweater vests with those deals. Lots of sweater vests. All right. My last prediction, Michael. You know, sometimes when you blow a lead and when you blow it in the clutch. That stink, that reek stays on you. We saw it with the Colts a couple years ago. We saw it with Jimmy G and the Niners. We saw it with a bunch of teams. When you blow a lead or you blow a big division, the reek, the, the Jets blew, a, blew the division and blew a playoff spot in 2015, and they haven't looked, even sniffed the playoffs since. It reeks on you. And this year, 
the team that blew it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars fall off a cliff. They fire Doug Peterson during the season. They finish last in the AFC South. And the whispers and the noise starts to begin that Trevor Lawrence is a bust. This is something that me and Michael have talked about. Um, I kind of, I was the one that was kind of first on the train and Michael has picked up the train with full speed uh, since then. Uh, The Trevor Lawrence is mid train because Trevor Lawrence has done nothing in his career to tell you that he's not mid as fuck. And that happened again this year where he could not take his team to the next level. uh, Despite the fact that I know that he was hurt. But it doesn't matter. He could not get his team past a very winnable game in week 18 to make the playoffs. He let C.J. Stroud and the Texans win that division. And now they're going to watch C.J. Stroud run that division for the foreseeable future. And oh, how the tables have turned in Jacksonville. They went from the upstart team. But when you get that stench on you, that stench does not go away. And... You know, Joe Douglas, who right now, if you don't know, is the GM for the Jets, I think has done a tremendous job turning the Jets roster around. Um, Obviously, the quarterback situation has been terrible. But when you have the number two overall pick, it's possibly a once in a generation pick. I think you have to go with the quarterback. And when you look at the quarterbacks available at the time, he picked Zach Wilson, which obviously is a bust. But, you know, he picked Zach Wilson over Justin Fields, who... Jury's still out on Justin Fields, but it looks like the Bears are going to move on for him. Hasn't been a superstar in the very at, at any point. Mac Jones, Trey Lance, both of those guys not going to start a game next year, probably. So when you look at that quarterback class, it's really just Trevor Lawrence carrying it. And even if Trevor Lawrence was not drafted first and the Jets drafted him, I don't think the Jets would have had like this generational prospect either. I think that from what I see from Trevor Lawrence, he's inaccurate. He panics under pressure does he have some special capabilities he definitely does but if you look at his time in clemson a lot of the yards he racked up was by throwing dump offs to travis Etienne and the rest of those boys who took the ball the distance t higgins was one of them and for me like i don't see the specialness that everyone else sees in trevor lawrence and i think that When you're a young quarterback and you're in this transition phase, things like blowing a division at the very end of the year, you got to remember, it was a double-digit week. I can't remember what week, but it was double-digit weeks uh, in a double-digit week where the Jaguars were playing to be the number one seed in the AFC. The Jaguars. The Jaguars. The number one seed in the AFC. They not only didn't become the number one seed in the AFC, they became a not even a playoff team. And they yeah, did they, that they in an completely lost it. ultimate free fall. And I know, I know, he got hurt. This happened, this happened. Doesn't matter. He was on the field and they lost. He had the weapons and they lost. So I don't think, I think that it's going to be a stinky, stinky year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That defense overrated. Josh Allen probably going to walk unless they give him the, the franchise tag. I think that coaching staff's overrated. I think the quarterback's overrated. I think the weapons are overrated. I think the defense is overrated. I just think it's a bunch of overratedness. Think about the 
you, you talk about the Jets missing on a pick. Talk about taking uh, what's his name, the defensive tackle first overall, the defensive end um, from Leonard Williams. No, no, no. The Jaguars. Vernon Gold. Oh, the Jaguars. Oh, Trayvon Walker. Yeah, they take Trayvon Walker. The next few picks are uh, Aiden Hutchinson, who is clearly like, even though his numbers don't pop out, clearly no, he's an above average player. Yeah. Um, Derek Stingley, who had a phenomenal year this year in his second year. Sauce Gardner. Like, if you're going to go defense, you got. Three Even like Kayvon Thibodeau turned up. Kayvon Thibodeau is a, is a better player than Trayvon Walker right now. They went with the raw talent instead of those five guys that fought four guys that followed that have all had spectacular moments, if not spectacular careers so far in their career. So the Jaguars got to be kicking themselves about wasting that number one overall pick and not trading back. I know a lot of people didn't want to trade back for that trade up for that pick, but I don't know. I think the Jaguars are going to fall out. Maybe, you know, it's a little hot takey to say last in that division, but yeah, I, would I don't say, know if they'll be that bad, but like I don't know if they'll the be playoffs. I could see again. Yeah. I don't know if that would be worse than the Titans, but I could definitely see them coming in third place behind the Texans and the, um, why am I blanking on the four team in the, in the South Colts? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess see that happening, especially if Anthony Richardson comes through and, um, and turn uh, up. I mean, how else can we end the uh, uh, show without the whitest turn up in the his turn up, turn up. Uh, in the history of, of anything? So um, that's it for us. Uh, just wanted to put this out here that we're not going to be on next week. We will be on the week after um, after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be talking about uh, the Super Bowl. Um, and we have a special announcement uh, during that time. It is going to be an announcement that's going to change the game for Brodo. So if you are a Brodo fan, if you have been a Brodo fan for a long time, I promise uh, we're making this episode for you. Uh, so please, please uh, come by and listen to that episode. And if you're a patron, please listen to that episode. And everyone listens to that episode uh, because it will be a special one. So with that being said, for my man, my main man, the man. The dude, Michael. What is this I'm Tim. Do you think you're playing music or something? Are you acting I, like you're playing? Oh, music? I'm playing music. You can't hear it. No. Let me let me bump up this background music. No, I hear anything. I guess I can only hear what's going on in the streamyard. No, it's, it's in streamyard. I don't hear anything. What now? Nope. I can Michael, tell what'd you, when what'd you're you... dancing. It's good. <laughs> Michael, what'd you eat tonight? Um, oh, actually, Tim got me a cast iron skillet. My first yeah. cast iron. I made pork chops. Oh, yeah. That, those yo, pork chops, number one in the cast iron skillet. Yeah. A must in the cast iron skillet. How were actually? They? I seared them on the oven, and then I, I mean, on the stovetop, and then I stuck it in the oven. That's the best. That's what you got to yeah. do with them. And I'm, then I'm I made proud it. of you, kid. And then I made uh, I, we just went to Costco recently, and it's just me and my fiance. So we got fresh veggies, but the bags are ginormous and they're fresh, so you got to eat them quick. So I made a, I made a, like a big tray of like potatoes, 
broccoli and Brussels sprouts. And then I also made a side of spinach too, because I had to cook this shit before it went bad. <laughs> but fresh spinach cooked is so much better than like frozen oh, yeah. spinach. It's absurd. All all vegetables fresh are better than frozen. No, yeah, it's so much better fresh. Yeah. My current not wife, even close. We were we were a house of frozen vegetables growing up, and it doesn't really it doesn't really affect the the health of it. A lot of people say frozen vegetables are bad for you, but I mean not as good for you. But they're not. They actually, they arguably, re, they retain they retain more vitamins that way. So maybe a little better for you, but not even a comparison. Fresh vegetables are the way to go. Uh. I actually threw the string beans in the freezer because I was like, I can't let these like go bad. I can't cook this many vegetables in like one week. <laughs> um, are you, uh, I had some chicken thighs today, Michael. Okay. My favorite part of the thigh, person, the chicken personally. Bro, chicken thighs are drastically underrated. People never really discuss the chicken thighs. Dude, every time you go to these places like uh, Chipotle or any Chipotle type spot, and you get the chicken, you're like, how do they make the chicken taste so good and everything? It's because they're not using chicken breast, bro. They're using boneless chicken thighs. Boneless so they skinless. get the delicious, like, fat from the thigh, too. And it's more tender than, like, a breast or a tenderloin or something. The chicken thighs are severely underrated. I'm a huge and, and the most nutrient-dense part of the chicken. Did you know that? There you go. Even better. Besides, like, the livers and the hearts and stuff. By the way, I don't know if you've ever had chicken heart. Top notch. Chicken hearts on fire. I, I feel like I've taken a bite of it, but that's about it. They're bite size. You might have eaten a whole one. But the the I feel like my wife... when I feel like at like when we go to our parents' house, I feel like it's been in the like juices before and I've just bitten it. Like, let me see how this tastes. It's possible. Yeah. Um Michael, eating the hearts of animals. <laughs> uh, Michael, real quick. Um, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? A lot. 